Welcome to Kidney Talk, a program of Renal Support Network, a show that streams health, happiness, and hope to the kidney community. You can download all Kidney Talk shows from iTunes and find a variety of resources to help you navigate this illness at rsnhope.org. Please welcome your host, Lori Hartwell, who has lived with kidney disease since the age of two. Well, welcome to Kidney Talk. Today, we're going to be speaking to Judy Weintraub. Um, she's a long-term survivor with kidney disease, and she's going to share with us what she's learned throughout her illness and some of the current projects she's waiting on. So welcome to the show, Judy. Thank you, Lori. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, well, tell the audience a little bit quickly about your background, because I want to get into more what you're doing today, but just your experience. Absolutely. Uh, uh, Lori, you... You know a part of my story. It's it's an amazing journey. It I'm more in awe of it, I think, than anybody else because I'm living it. Actually, the end of this week will be the 40th anniversary of my first dialysis treatment, and because I have a particular immune system that doesn't like kidneys, my own from long ago, or any of the three that came my way. In the last 40 years, I have been doing dialysis exclusively, except for about four months of that time. So um, I keep asking doctors, and I believe that I'm one of only a handful of people in the United States who's been doing dialysis exclusively. About 15 years of that 40 years has been an in-center hemodialysis, more than 12 years on peritoneal dialysis, and for the last 13 years, I've been doing nocturnal home hemodialysis. Of that 13 years, I did four years with Next Stage, and I'm using the Fresenius machine now. Because I've been doing dialysis for so many years, my um, anatomy has been affected. I have a lot of beta-2, and a lot of calcification. So because of that, I need a very unique dialysate prescription with a lot more calcium than usual and more phosphorus, if you can believe that. I don't take any phosphate binders. Well, that's, you know, it's really interesting because you just gave a 40-year summary in about a couple of minutes. And, and I like the fact that you use exclusive because it, it, it shows your positive attitude that you're so happy to belong to this club of survivors. And that's, that's thanks, really... Lori. You know, a long time ago, it, I've not only accepted the fact that dialysis keeps me here on this planet but it has allowed me to create a life for myself. So I, I embrace dialysis. It's very obvious to me that if dialysis wasn't here, neither would I. So I love this world. I want to be part of it. Well, and, and over the years, I know you've had a lot of interests, and I know you're a fabulous cook. So yes. can you tell me what your best meal that you could make? Oh, um, I love farm-to-table kind of cooking. I love wholesome food. The kind of dialysis I do affords me a free diet. I just watch my sodium, that's it. So I love produce. I'm at the farmer's market with my hubby every weekend, and I do my menu planning there. I have a food blog, actually, and the name is bumbleberrybreeze.com, <laughs> B-U-M-B-L-E-B-E-R-R-Y. B-R-E-E-Z-E, that's a mouthful, dot com. <laughs> and I love to cook 
wholesome, fresh food. I also love to bake. And all the baking I do, I bring down the sugar and I bring down the fat. So I'm busy with that. I used to teach deaf children for many years. And because I've been on dialysis, I so long I started when I was in high school. And in the beginning, you know how it was back then, Lori. It was like, just please let me get to finishing high school. Let me get to finishing college. But at one point... You know, when I was on 10 years already, I realized, okay, I can create a life for myself here. So I was a teacher, and then I switched and I worked. Um, I did patient advocacy. I was working with the AAKP for many, many years. Now what I'm doing is I'm working on a personal documentary called Life on the Bridge. And you could check out the preview by going to the website, which is lifeonthebridge.com. So why the title, Life on the Bridge? Because when I was going for my third transplant, Lori, and that was 15 years ago already. I remember that day. Do you? I remember you calling me in the hospital, Lori. You were cheering me on. Bless your heart. Um, the doctor had said to me, well, you know, Judy, I, I know you're on doing dialysis, but dialysis is really just a bridge to transplantation. I'd already been doing dialysis for 25 years at that point. For a quarter of a century, I said, how can you say that? I've created a life on that bridge, and it's never left my brain. So when it came to titling the documentary, it was clear to me, life on the bridge, because I created a life on that bridge, and I want others to know that as well. So tell us a little bit about the documentary. Absolutely. It's really about overcoming challenges, no matter what they are in life, and creating a good life, creating joy in your life, not just surviving and coping, but thriving, but really looking at what gives you purpose in life, what gives you meaning in life, and creating a, a life around that. If you're doing dialysis, do dialysis to live your life. That's the whole message. And so the film is really about anyone overcoming obstacles, whether it's financial hardships or a rough family um, background or, let's say, any type of ongoing health condition. But it's told through the specific lens of my personal journey with dialysis. Well, and, you know, one of the things I often hear, and, you know, I was only on dialysis 13 years. I'm just a novice compared to you. But I did have my fourth transplant that, you know, was successful. and luckily, I I know. My third one was successful. My first two didn't work. And I I definitely understand the despair, and I don't have the autoimmune issues. Um, I just have a lot of antibodies. (laughs) Right, right. <laughs> and, um, you know, every day science gets a little, little bit better. Um, but one of the things, have you come across a lot of people who are on dialysis who are waiting to live their life until that panacea of transplant comes? Oh, man, have I ever, Lori. You know it. You've seen that, as have I. It's like, sometimes it's like the holy grail, right? Right. It's you're chasing after that carrot, like in a Bugs Bunny cartoon, which keeps going further and further away from you. And it's, you know, it's almost like women 
who are desperate to get married and they don't want to do anything until they get married. They won't. You know what I'm saying? Right. Well, you have to make yourself happy no matter what your circumstances are. A transplant. We've got to live life now. We've got to live life in the moment. Nobody knows what the next day brings. Nobody knows. And so we've got to make every moment count. So many people in the dialysis clinics are depressed. I have seen it and so have you. You've got to kind of grab it and say, look, this is what we've got. Let's figure out how to manage it. Let's problem solve. Let's figure out, for me, home therapy is the way to go. Let's figure out what kind of therapy works best. How can we be healthiest? What fits into our lives the best? And then go for it and live our lives. And and part of what I'm doing in my work, you'll see on my website, lifeonthebridge.com, is it's occurred to me from doing a lot of speaking that if I can bring nurses and doctors on board who work with us, then I can multiply the people who I can share my message with by the hundreds. Because if a doctor who doesn't really believe in in partnering with patients after hearing my talk or hearing, seeing my video can say, wait a minute, this is an approach for any ongoing health condition, then I can impact so many more people because the doctors need to understand this isn't something where I just send them to the clinic until they get their transplant or what if the transplant doesn't work, but I really need to partner with my patients so that they can understand that they need to take responsibility. The only way I did this, Lori, is that I understood years ago that I can't be dependent on the nurses and the doctors. I need to take responsibility for my own condition because I'm the one who cares about being here for absolutely the longest. And that's the message I want to tell other people who are in the same boat. Well, when you talk about partnering with a physician, can you give me an example? Because I, I know that, it, you know, I'm very fortunate. I've had the same physician for so many years. And we're, you know, he's like a family member to me. I mean, because, you know, I've known him longer than some of my friends. Well, can you, um, Judy, can you explain a little bit about partnering with physicians? Because, you know, I've had my doctor for, you know, as long as I can remember, my early 20s. And, you know, what would that look like with a, a patient uh, in a clinic with the physician? Because it is difficult. We, we were very lucky to kind of grow up with our doctors. Yes, and I know Lori. that's much yes. more challenging today. I have the same situation as you accept. <laughs> you're you're going to laugh. My doctor retired several years ago after being my doctor for 30 straight years. So he's like my dad now. I had to find another nephrologist. But what I'm talking about is we need to educate our own doctors. We need to encourage them and any other doctor to ask us questions like, what are our concerns? What do we want? And work from there and not just have a doctor say, this is what you need. This will be best for you. Let's say, for example, a woman is a single mom and needs to get out of the dialysis unit to pick her kids up from the bus stop. 
she's not being non-compliant if she's got to leave by a certain time. Maybe no one talked to her about peritoneal dialysis or home therapy. So this is what I'm talking about. For there to be a two-way communication, two-way listening, where not only the patient listens to the doctor, but the doctor listens to the patient. And then, and only then, will there be a partnership. It's it's so true. It's, you know, I I feel like I have so many partnerships now with so many doctors. But it is. You have to be a, a very good communicator when you have an illness because you have to you know, ask for what you need and then make yeah. sure you get it. <laughs> um, switching to a different topic, though, you know, just understanding that you've been on dialysis for 40 years, uh, maybe talk about some strategies that you do to help with your attitude because, you know, we've all had those days where we're like, oh, man, is it going to oh, get any absolutely. better? <laughs> um, oh, man. You know, people see me when I've got energy. They think I have that level of energy all the time, right? I, I know myself that I have good days and not so good days or even within the course of a day. I like to call it um, high tide and low tide. I'm ebbing and flowing, you know. I know that uh, I'm going to just sometimes have to crash and burn. When I've got energy, I go for it. Balance is an ongoing kind of um, thing I need to learn about because I know when I've got energy, I go for it, and then I'm like done. Mm-hmm. I need personally to know that I need to stop every day, even for 15 minutes, not to take a nap even, but just to be horizontal so that I can recharge my batteries. But in a bigger picture, what's helped me with attitude over the years is this, and, and that is that we have to be educators whether we want to or not. We have to educate the people in our lives about what an ongoing health condition is, people don't understand. And there's the illness itself, but around that, the language people use, chronic illness. I'm not sick all the time, okay? I'm sure you're laughing at this because you know it so well. We have a health condition that's ongoing that we're managing, and The technology is here to help us, but a lot of the attitudes that society has, and everyone is part of that society, from the patients to the family members to the doctors, a lot of the words that we use, uh, end-stage renal disease is still out there. It's It's not the end of the road, for goodness sakes. Well, and you know, people talk a lot about our physical health, but for me, it's always been a factor of how do I keep my emotional health well-being so I can maintain my physical health? Because if I don't have my mind in the right place, I don't do what I need to do to take care of myself. Exactly. So what I do is I try to remember when I'm not feeling well that this too shall pass, to be tender with myself, to give my body the rest it needs when it tells me it needs rest, to focus on what gives me meaning and purpose and joy, and to know that when I'm feeling down, to listen to music, to watch a movie that's uplifting, um, to, to talk to dear ones in my life, that's what helps me out. My, my uh, people's church, I know when I go to my temple and I hear a very uplifting talk 
then I feel like I'm flying afterwards. So those are some of the things that help me, Lord. You, you know, you have to uh, take your mind and your body will follow. Because some people say, take your body and your mind will follow. But uh, I know for me, I mean, you know, I got to sit down and make jewelry or watch something on TV that may be brain dead or just play with my animals. I mean, sometimes yes, the things are just yes, watch the animals. birds. <laughs> I love animals too. They're such a joy. I'm so lucky I have the love of an animal. I, you know, I sometimes think what my life would have been like if I didn't have a dog to help me, or dogs now, but dogs to help me through all the hard times. Because You know, there are so many things, and I think it's so easy for people to just kind of sink into a dark place. You have to kind of move yourself up and redirect out of it. No one can do that for you. So- You've got to do it yourself. And and you've got to find what gives you meaning and joy. I think that's so key. Well, you know, you can be as happy as you make your mind up to be. That's easier said than done. But well, you can have I, to. <laughs> can I share with you a little anecdote from long, long ago? It was about a year after I was on dialysis in New York in a pediatric unit. And I was having such problems with my fistula. My arm was so swollen after multiple sticks. I was miserable. I was 16 years old, and and I learned then how to stick myself, but this, I remember, was an early spring day, and and I was like so sad and, and upset after a very difficult treatment, and I went out of the hospital with my mom, and it was a beautiful spring day, and the trees were the leaves were growing and the sky was so blue and I looked up and I thought, how can there be so much misery back there where I just came from and it is a gorgeous day and a little voice, I don't know where it came from, Lori, I was so young, I don't know where it came from, said, look to the beauty, look to the light and I don't think I ever forgot that. It's helped me tremendously. And it's kind of become a mantra for me. Well, I keep looking to the light. Yep, you got to keep looking up because uh, it's it, it is it's. I mean, Judy, you have just a remarkable story. And you know, maybe in closing, um, if they go to your website, lifeonthebridge.com, and they learn about the documentary, what do you hope people to take away from uh, seeing this documentary? And when will it be available? I think the same message is what you are constantly projecting, which is hope. Okay. Have higher expectations of what is possible for yourself in life. Right now, we, I'm, I just completed doing some filming on me and Joel, my hubby, doing the nocturnal treatment. So we're just about completing the footage. Uh, we are working on the editing right now. I'm doing a quite a bit of, uh, let's call it friend raising, because you know and I know it takes a village to get a project done, and I need that village. So that's what we're looking. We're hoping to get that documentary done and screening it in um, theaters, uh, available on DVD, uh, all kinds of ways, and I just recommend people to... Uh, sign on to receiving my newsletter so you can keep up with what's going on. It's lifeonthebridge.com. We're very excited about this project, 
and and I think it's really good use of my time. It's given me a lot of purpose right now. It is. It's always fun to tell a story, isn't it? I, it is. I was asked that question, what do you love to do? And I'm like, you know, I love to tell the story. Me I mean, too. I think it's really me fun. Too. I'm and- a talker. I'm a communicator. That's what I do well. I also cook well and eat well. I love to eat. But, um, you know, that's it. It's all about what you love and who you love, right? Exactly. You know, life is worth living. And you can always find somebody that's got a, a, a more difficult time than you. And that's that's the secret sometimes for me is, you know, you look around, you're like, I have so much to be grateful for. I, I have a roof over my head. I have all the things. And, you know, you, yes, you drive and you save somebody. people with our cups half full, right? Exactly. That's what you got to do. Well, thank you, Judy, so much. Um, you know, check out uh, Judy's uh, website and uh, we look forward to your future stories. Thank you, Lori. Great talking to you. Thanks for listening to Kidney Talk, a program of Renal Support Network. Please make sure to find us on Facebook or sign up for our newsletter at rsnhope.org. Kidney Talk is intended for informational purposes only. It is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment from your physician. Always seek the advice of your own health care provider regarding your medical condition.